Welcome back to another episode of the NES Experience. Uh, I am Dante. We're back with Ned, uh, the the main attraction at the NES Experience. I don't know what my role is, uh, but that's okay. Uh, what we're going to be talking about today to start the episode is one of my favorite foods, pizza. It's near and dear to my heart. Uh, I only ate pizza for about two weeks. I would tear a piece of pizza slice in half, eat it every 90 minutes, was advised to do that by one of my basketball coaches. It was the best two weeks of my life. Uh, Ned, do you want to talk about pizza a little bit? What sparred the, what, how the pizza concept came up was we went to see Avery Brown, NES athlete for Columbia. And after the game, of course, I was hanging out with a 15 year old. I was with Trey. Uh, and he was like, I'm hungry. So we opted to try and go to bar pizza in New Haven. Uh, never been to bar before I've hit the gauntlet of, I've hit most of the heavy hitting pizza joints on the East coast. Don't get me started bringing up East coast pizza versus Chicago style. That's a whole nother side rant, but we ended up <clears throat> going to bar and uh yes i'm with a 15 year old kid at 10 30 at night uh after a yale columbia game and we so we know with bar never had it before i went with the mashed potato bacon pizza so i got because that's what they're known for and then i got a cheese and meatball so I'm a classical type and then a specialty to the place it was absolutely amazing um to the point where now I have to do more research on it. I went and looked at the Bars, uh, Portno, Portnoy review and only got like a 7.2, 7.4. And when I tasted it, like I wasn't even really hungry going there. But the physical, I'm taking pictures. When you pull out the phone, and that happens a lot in your Connecticut uh, pizza joints, especially in the New Haven area, I'm taking this picture. This thing looks beautiful, cooked to perfection. It's like 10 o'clock at night. They're about to close. And they roll out this gorgeous, and I had Cam with me, um, and Trey, of course. And we basically, we did our own little pizza review, and I thought it was fantastic. So today we're going to rank the top five pizzas, in our opinion, in Connecticut. Not all time in Connecticut. This is Connecticut. And I like to keep it to the greater New Haven area, which means the Valley counts. And, you know, Fairfield County counts, but we're keeping it to that area. I don't want to hear about some shit mystic or whatever. So, um, top five, I'm going to go first. The reason why it was four and I switched to five was because this was on your list when you sent it to me. And I was like, yep, yeah, I like that one too. So Roseland and Derby, number five, you. Yeah. So my number five, uh, would be McGowan's Pizza. It's not McGowan's anymore. Name has changed, uh, but it's my hometown pizza. So a little hometown bias there. But great thin crust, really great. Obviously, everything Connecticut, New Haven style. Like that's that's what it's all about. Uh, and yeah, just uh, they had a little arcade game. You could play like Mortal Kombat and stuff like that while you'd wait to like get your your pickup pizza. Cause pickup pizza, you know, was a thing. And yeah, just uh, a really great pie. So uh, just pause, pause. We can't record. 
and we're back after some audio technical difficulties of which we had no control over but have corrected uh ned do you want to give me your number four ranked piece of place dante do you want to explain what the audio difficulty was i i can't actually explain it i uh it, it seemed to be on your end well the audio difficulty was lexi needed ice so Mila had, was going out and pulling out each individual ice ice cube, dropping it individually into the glass with the most steroided up microphone that can hear phone conversations. I can hear conversations in their room with both doors shut louder than if I, if I don't have these headphones on. Anyways, these headphones have go-go gadget ears. With that being said, that was the technical difficulty, but we're back on track into the next fight. So we're going to go on to number four. Uh, my number four used to be my number one, but since I have been trying to catch up on New Haven style pizzas, um, I feel like this one dropped. My opinion is biased because they are a chain now and they're pumping out a lot of locations. So my palate is getting confused because the Peppies in New Haven uh, 10 years ago was fantastic. And the problem is now I've had it at the casino, which is three levels down. I've had it in Fairfield, which is one level down. But I learned that if you say New High Haven style, they cook it uh, crispier. And then it's closer to what you're getting from the original place. So I'm putting the original place at four. And part of the reason why I have them dropping down is because uh, I feel like you don't stop trying to have too many locations. You're watering down your product. You're number four. Uh, I, I will say number four, Colony Grill. Uh, the original location, the the one in Fairfield from time to time, does not pump out the quality. Another Another case of it, although I will say I don't, I think I think the Fairfield one, exactly what you said, is probably the, the second best of all the Peppies. So you have New Haven and Fairfield, and those are clearly number one and number two. And they were open number one and number two. So those are the two two spots to go there. I had one in Boston, also pretty great. But for me, number four, Colony Grill. Hot oil pizza, that's what they're known for. Uh, I've gotten it a couple of times. It's pretty hot, but it's delicious. Even the regular cheese, everything there. Just great, greasy pizza. Love it. Colony Grill is on my two pizza places that I have not tried yet that could possibly make this list. Uh, number three, which would be Bar, uh, jumped up in front of Peppy's and catapulted into, because I love Roseland, uh, catapulted into the, the three position. <clears throat> I like the cracker crust. Um, it's burnt, but I don't, I don't like a lot of black char. I like a little bit. Um, I like a nice, easily digestible crust and I don't think it gets enough credit. It was fantastic. That's my number three. Yours? Yeah. My number three, we are going, so I have a, my, my top three rotate constantly pretty much, but, but they're all, so it's like one ABC, but top three, number three, we are going for Sally's right next to the original puppies it's pretty much the same recipe pretty much the same family pretty much the same fucking thing 
but Sally's absolutely great. Line's always a little bit less long, so huge fan. Uh, just a great place. Uh, moving on to number two, and my number two is Sally's. I went there with Drew, PTSM affiliate. Shout out Drew Gallagher. He should be listening to this, but he's too busy and he probably isn't. Oh, uh, yeah, I went there with him, and then I went two times, and both times they're not busy. Good pie. <clears throat> I do think once you work in, like when I went to Pepe's, I'm waiting an hour in line. And that's part of the reason why if I'm waiting an hour in line, you know, I'm fine with waiting a little bit, but you better bring it if you're going to have me wait that long. So I have Sally's as my number two. And then I have a feeling what I know what your number two is going to be. My number two is Roselands. And it's so my order at Roselands feeds me for about a fucking week. I will order lasagna. I will order meatballs. Now, the lasagna is about two meals in itself, and it is delicious. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about pizza. And if you can order the seafood pizza at Roseland, it is market price. That is okay. It is worth every penny. Fresh mm-hmm. seafood. Oh, my God. It's wonderful. Is it like 75 bucks? Probably. I mean, it's to the point where I, I don't even think about it. You just get it. And it's, if you have two pieces of it, you'll be full. But this is the other thing. You can take it home with you. It's good cold. You can take it home with you. You can reheat it. Soggy and it's even crust. better. No, 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 no. It's a white crust pizza. It's a white crust seafood pizza. So it's it super is, the undercarriage is durable to support all this massive amounts of alleged seafood that they're putting on it. It is, but it's still New Haven style. It's still crispy. It's still got that thin crust. It's still, it's, um, have you never had it? You're a Roselands person. I am a Roseland person. I, I had never had seafood people around me. I love seafood. Oh, but you gotta I, have it. We'll, we'll go there someday. We'll have it. Me and you. So here's my problem with Roseland. So I go with their meatball, meatball and onion, sausage and onion. They're all great. It's just, it's just great. But the problem is, I, I waited an hour. I don't want to deal with that. Like, I have a big problem with waiting that long. The, if I have to sign up for an hour wait, I'm going to go to your pizza establishment less and expect more. But no, it's great. When we're talking about all these, there is no, it's not like one stink. So this is just universal. And yes, all of these, honestly, as I start to go to them more, my my positions are going to change on them. So really, you can't even rank five because, I mean, they can really rival. I told the bar guy, because I'm a dumb tourist, I was like, I don't know why people aren't talking about you guys in the big three. I'm like, I just I just put you above Pepe's right now. And the dude was real nice. He's like 19-year-old kid. He's like, dude, I know, man, that pizza's fire. I'm like, oh, it is fire. Anyways, and my number one is modern. Um, I went there for the first time a year ago. Uh, the last time there was a Yale Columbia game. So every time there's a, every time I watch a replay after the game, we, um, I try pizza and I went with modern and it was, you know, a delightful, it was a delightful experience. It was heaven in my mouth. It was loads of cheese. I liked the crust, uh, the thicker crust. It wasn't super floppy. It was fresh as shit. I only waited 10 minutes. I bought a whatever overpriced beer. At least I was, at least I'm got my beer flowing you know, while I'm waiting. Um, 
the price was good. The pizza was great. Uh, and, and it moved into my number one position. You? The standard is the standard. It's Pepe's. It'll always be. It, it just absolutely has to be. And I will say this. I'm sensing a reoccurring theme throughout your list. Uh, I think you're doing the entire experience wrong. And I'll tell you why. And from a strength and conditioning, sports performance perspective, and as a, a two-week pizza-only eater, I, I think I am the absolute expert on this subject. You want to go in the afternoon. I'm talking 2 o'clock. I'm talking 3 o'clock. There's not going to be a soul in the place. There's not a way. It is beautiful. You go in there. You eat a whole fucking pizza by yourself. It doesn't matter. You just house the thing. And then you just don't eat carbs for the rest of the day. You have a steak for dinner at like 8 p.m. You know, it is what it is. And you just take a nap. You know, when you get back home, wake up, eat a steak, go back to bed. It's beautiful. Roselands, you go there 15 minutes after it opens at like 2 Oh, that could, those are the times. Cause then you just order everything. Everything's fresh and there's no way because it's not about when you want to experience the food, right? It's not about, Oh, like, you know, it's, it's dinner time. Let's go eat. You want to, you want to get the best. You want to get the, just everyone's not there. Just like a private experience. Just go right when it opens. All that doesn't work into my schedule all the time. So it's hard for me to reprogram. I got a coach at three o'clock. So you're giving yeah, me, that, yeah. I got to get there at two, the minute that it opens and then get all the food I'm on a time crunch. So for me, I'm going whatever weekends later at night. The The moral of the story is they're all great. Uh, Connecticut has great pizza. And uh, you could really flip. There's one more I want to add that's not on the list. And that's Zoo Parties, West Haven. Um, the re I guarantee you it's probably going to make this list soon. But I've only had the frozen one, which is delightful. You can buy the frozen ones. Um, but you know a frozen pizza ain't going to compare to sit sitting in there in-house. So Zoo Parties in West Haven, you are my next... I feel like I almost can't accurately create a top five list without them, but I am, I have a big, a big feeling cause I'm a sausage guy and I believe their sausage. That's what they're, they're kind of known for. I will say with Pepe's the, the white clam pizza. Fantastic. Well, um, that's their, that's the signature. And I don't like clams. So, and I mean, Pepe's is good. Here's the problem. Peppy's was my number one. The problem is I don't think I've eaten it in in New Haven recently enough. I'm getting my my taste buds are changing. Casino, Fairfield, the I Fairfield mean, one, Waterberries, like something crazy. I don't even remember what city I was in. Then like my in laws will bring it in, but it'll be like delivered from New Haven to New York hour and a half in a box so i just i mean i'll go back in we really should do a pizza tour but this is way too way too long and i can't believe we dragged this shit all the way through just to talk about some pizza i bang 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 mind my i had a little soliloquy to mcgowan's in the beginning but that was that was it we i kept it moving 
soliloquy. Good word. Thank All right. You. So we're before we talk about I don't know. Should track be your second sport, which is the reason why we're together tonight at nine thirty at night. Um, I want to go over some housekeeping offers. It wouldn't be a podcast without bringing up more offers. So when people do great things, we're going to talk about them. Uh, number one, I feel like we went over Q1, Quavier's commitment to Northwestern, his signing day. We covered that, right? Yes, we did. Shout out Q1. And we all know that the world loves brothers and sisters that play high-level sports. So we have uh, his brother, Q2, Keanu. Uh, he just got offers from Penn State. Um, the Penn State offer, it was cool because we did the camp season. We prepared. Go ahead and listen to the camp podcast on how to plan your camps out. And we did, well, the camp thing got derailed in the beginning because he went to a couple of camps that he shouldn't have, like LSU, where he was guaranteed not going to get an offer. Uh, but he ended up, you know, we had, we shut it down. We did the camps in early June. He killed it. He ran a four, three, eight, four, four, one, four, four, four range during all the Hamden hall combines. We were able to shut it down. He had a full month to take off. And then his last, last camp of the season was the Penn state, the Penn state camp. And here's the thing. He only caught his only film. He caught 12 balls the prior year. So there wasn't a lot out on him. Nobody knew about him. So it's hard for Penn State to make a commitment on a guy who's caught 12 balls in his high school career. But what he did is he ran a 4-4-1 and showed out. And uh, they obviously liked his speed. And then the season played out. He had 20 touchdowns. And uh, he killed it and got Offensive Conference Player of the Year and a bunch of accolades. So, So it's like, yeah motherfucker I'm fast and I'm good at football so he landed that with uh Nebraska who was at those those Hamden Hall combines in Syracuse um in the spring and he has Boston College UConn so he's built himself and a couple others so he's got around eight offers um and once you get you know the Penn State um that's huge so we could potentially see Q1 versus Q2 which would be the NES uh, tailgate of the year if for some reason he chooses Penn State. Um, but great things are happening. And he was recently on the Instagram story, uh, came back in seven weeks, already gained like nine pounds, looking massive. He's going to be 200, uh, potentially running in the four threes at 200 now. Uh, he's over six feet, almost six one. So he's really developing, working his ass off. Literally, they went a ring with, you know, five days later, I make the kids take like a week off and he's back at it working. So, and his brother's back at it working. So imagine that if you work really hard, good things happen for you. So one thing this kid didn't do is he didn't do track. So uh, he, uh, he did NES. So the topic that we're going to go over today is, you know, should you do track as your second sport? It's a very common thing, uh, definitely in the 60s, back in the caveman days. Um, and the concept was, you know, if you're a football player, you should go do track and track's going to make you faster and better at football. And if you're a lineman, you should be a thrower. Keep in mind, track was my main sport in high school. Um, so all of this shit talking that I'm going to be doing about track 
Uh, obviously, it's it's not really a biased opinion because it was my main sport. I loved it. I thought I was going to be in the Olympics. Uh, obviously, everything got derailed, and I am a has-been that never made it, but I've always been a big fan of it. And I do think for some people, it is a good idea. And I'm going to tell you, if you fall into these categories, we're going to talk about. Um, so there's people that should do it and there's people that shouldn't do it. Um, so why do people do it, Dante? What is the reason? What is the simplest reason that people say? Well, I probably to get faster. I know that's why I tried to do track for a season. I did it to get faster. Well, I also did it because I was concussed and wasn't clear to play basketball because it was contact sport. Boy, there's always some complicated ass fucking backstory on your shit. It's just never, it's always like seven different ways of fucked with you. But yes, Dante, the answer is to make you faster. Um, So here's the answer. By doing track as your second sport, will it make you faster? And the answer is yes, it'll make you a little bit faster. So the problem is everybody just cuts it right there and now it's over and it's, you need to do track. It's the best thing to do is your second sport. It's going to make you faster. And then, but there's more to it than that. All I'm trying to do today is deliver some things to think about before you decide to make track. I get really mad. I take it defensive. I get in fights with kids. Uh, This girl that I train she ain't listening to this podcast, even though I'm going to tell her to listen to it. She is specifically a soccer player with, and she had reoccurring hamstring injuries. And this is a little bit veer off into a different topic, but she always, it was, I got to play basketball. It was trying to do multiple sports. And she basically would get into soccer season, hurt her hamstrings because she was overtrained, play on the hurt hamstring, not show well because you're playing She's checked every box in every podcast of anything that I said not to do. Wonderful girl, works hard, just the greatest human alive. But the decision-making process is just tainted. So after these repetitive hamstring strains, I'm like, you got to shut it down. You need an off-season and, and get yourself healthy. You need to go to physical therapy. You need to fix this. And she wouldn't shut it down. And then eventually... All right. After all those hamstrings, if you're not going to shut it down, what is the body going to do? It's going to ramp up the injury that you get. Torn hip. Torn, which started because of repetitive hamstrings that were not treated by physical therapists and severe overtraining. It's like, okay, well, if that doesn't work and then you start to compensate and, you know, different muscles are being activated and used to do things that they're not supposed to. And before you know it, now you got hip labral surgery and your soccer career is potentially over. Um, you can get faster by running track, but the process of doing that is breaking and, and your body down. So repeated max effort and near max effort sprinting puts a lot of stress on the body. The way that track can make most kids faster when they go in there is not that they're really teaching them how to run because most track coaches, although it's getting better, um, because I have D1 track athletes that I train, I had D1 track athletes that were my coaches and I taught them my system, which was different than what they learned in college. And my, my coaches became higher level track athletes doing my program instead of their college strength and conditioning program. 
and a lot of them have taken um, coaching jobs and are using my material to change the approach of what track is, which is the way we're going to make you faster is you're going to run, you know, 10, 200s and fucking eight, 400s and, you know, all of this volume. <clears throat> and even within track, you have to look at if you're a distance runner, you're just sinking your career. I got guys that want to play football and do cross country. Cross country is all type one twitch muscle fiber. You're just going to turn into a, in a slow, slow twitchy blob. It's completely working against each other. And I'm not going to go into that, but you running, you know, the 1600 or the 800 isn't going to impact your 40 time that much. But the way that you do it is running. You want to get, you want to jump higher, jump. You want to run faster, run. So re repeated sprints, no matter what they look like, or you're going to get a response from it and you're going to get faster. But in order to do that, you have to put a lot of wear and tear on the body. Um, when a track athlete is in their in season, there's no monitoring training volume. The only reason that it is monitored is for, for them to peak for their events. So you're and typically if you do track you're doing stuff to prepare for track whereas if you're coming from another sport there is some things that you're missing so because you're beating your ass up and running all the time <clears throat> you are getting faster but what is it doing to your body and this is what i want to kind of go over is you are not you are a losing strength this is not netology. This is fact. By running all the time and doing all of this running, running is catabolic. Strength and building is anabolic. So when you are trying to address something like gaining weight or getting stronger or getting faster, strength is generally a component of that. <clears throat> if you are in your end season for track, you really can't lift. And the most you can lift is more of a maintenance. Now there's an exception, put an asterisk. If you are a thrower, I'm okay with throwers as long as they don't do what my high school coach did, which was everybody's got to run three miles before practice. Uh, why? I'm in, my, I'm in a ring for a living. I am in a seven foot circle. Please tell me how running three miles applies to this. Oh, are you saying that I need to lose weight? You're saying that you want me to lower my body fat percentage. Can you at least tell me that's the reason why instead of telling me it's going to make you a better thrower? With that being said, strength is lost. And strength long term is a component that you need to improve at your sport, whatever it is. Um, because it's catabolic, you're burning lean mass. The more you run, the more lean mass you're burning. So if you are a weight gain athlete and you go do track, you will not gain weight. You will lose weight. And you will lose weight until track is over, which is June. It will decrease your timetable to prepare for August if you are a football player. And you will spend June to August not putting on new weight, but putting on the weight that you lost. So unless you're the perfect weight, you are leaving things on the back end and you're not going to get and reach these matrix that are necessary for the other sports to be able to get your scholarship. Central nervous system fatigue. 
running and sprinting and jumping, they're high neural activities. They, they exhaust the brain and the central nervous system. There's different types of overtraining. Your brain can be overtrained and your body can be overtrained. So musculoskeletal overtraining is your in it, your strength decreasing and your um, ability to recover from muscle soreness. Like it's taking five days to recover instead of two, but there's also overtraining the brain and doing repetitive high neural things over and over that can get fatigued. And when that gets fatigued, a lot of times you need more than one neuro or muscular overtraining. You can typically recover in a week or two, but extreme CNS fatigue can take you out months <clears throat> if you're trying to do all this stuff and become a better football player. Uh, you're in, how about this? You're increasing the risk of injury. Um, hamstring strains completely common. My girls right now, I have a girl at Merrimack, Hunter, who's also one of our assistant coaches, and Amanda, who's one of our assistant coaches. She's running at Wheaton, about to transfer. Um, they already know. They are, I get a video of Hunter, and there's a mountain of snow in the background. She's at Merrimack. I have no clue where Merrimack is, but it's probably like three hours north, somewhere cold. So you are, I mean, is that ideal running? standards so how there's a risk of injury risk because they're they're coming off a break now we've been training in the break but because <clears throat> it's the northeast and it's fucking zero degrees her ability to get outside is more difficult um because you're overtrained because you're doing all these things just tissue injuries are a thing so and once you pull your hamstring your you know accolades and benefits of track start to go down and now you're now you're hurt now now you have a bigger problem. Injury in your second sport is a killer. I had a kid that was a basketball player and he decided to get cute and play football. What do you think happened three days in? Broke his wrist. So how is he able to develop his skills as a basketball player with, without his wrist? Wrists are important to shoot a basketball. We're not playing punch ball. We're, playing, uh, we're not playing hammer ball. We're playing basketball that requires your wrist. So... Um, Ultimately, how do you think his season is going right now? Probably not as good as it was if he didn't try to get cute and play football. Um, and it's the same thing with track because once you get a hammy, hammies are just, they're my worst nightmare because it's like they're always hanging out. They're there. They cannot bother you. It gets in your head. There's the post hammy freak out. Um, and they're reoccurring. You have to get them treated with physical therapy. Most people don't do that and they don't break up the scar tissue and then they, then they keep tweaking them again. So, and you can go, I had a guy, Cassetti, he ended up tweaking his hamstring. Finally, never had an injury in his life and whatever. It's usually malpractice on the, the performance strength conditioning or football coaches, but whatever he did, he tweaked it. And then because he never had one, there's another layer of, of anxiety. It takes athletes who've never had an injury before there's more of a psychological component and it fucks with their head more because you're i mean you're the perfect guy you you get injured it's like you've been injured so much and you have so much shit it's like yeah i'm good i'm all right and like your ability to come back if you are a chronic injury guy not that you're a chronic but you've been through it so so dante tweaked his elbow 
and uh, and it took time for him to, to overcome. So there's the whole psychological stuff and injury. It's honestly the it's my biggest worry, and I see it over and over and over again. Um, so one of your former teammate, the reason the way I how the way that I met Sharif, um, I don't remember if it was when I started with him, whether it was eighth grade or ninth grade. But, you know, what this is all that I heard. This kid is a freak, genetic freak. It's ridiculous, but he's hurt all the time. So it's like, how many games you played this year? Four. How many yards did you have? Thousand. How many touchdowns? 17 uh, yards per carry. 14. You only played four games. Hamstring. So, you know, he came in at like 170. And part of what we were trying, I mean, part of what we had to do is, well, you want to be a D1 football player. So, he, genetic freaks were like Q1 and Q2 respond crazy from training. And the kid went from 172 to 205. And then, you know, he goes out there and does track hamstring. And I'm like, dude, we're done with him. We're done. We're done. We're done with track. I'm like, you're going to be fine. We're going to not do track and you're going to be fast enough. And you're not going to have the hamstring problems and good family. And they believe me. And they're like, all right, we're done with track. No more hamstrings, no more hamstrings, <laughs> fixed it. And then because he w- did, because he was able to put together a full season and a resume and, you know, the can, well, no, he didn't do track. What are we going to do? What about his 40? Yeah, he ran a fucking 462 at 215 pounds and he, and he got his uh, full ride to B, B, or BC. Hamstrings, track, and he's, that's one example I've been doing this for 20 years. There's 20 cases of hamstrings and track. They don't teach people how to run the right way. It's too much volume. It's too much on the body. It breaks them down. It's counterproductive to what we're trying to do. Come on, people. Then you got the bad habit component. Who is the track coach? What makes him certified to make people faster? You know how hard it is to make people faster? It's fucking hard. Really hard. Even with really good people, freak athletes, still hard. But you just, but there's like a million of them. There's fucking whatever, 300 schools, there's 300 track guys. They're all track, you know, it is getting better. It's still not where it needs to be. You lose mobility. You run and run and run and run. It starts to change your gait. Are you doing all the extra mobility and flexibility work and tissue work that you need to keep your muscles at the appropriate length and tension? Probably not. Um, and it also takes time away from specific skill training. So if you are doing track practice for three hours a day, six days a week, that means you might not be going to the quarterback coach as much or the, your wide receiver coach, or you're not doing performance training, or you're not in the weight room lifting, or you're trying to lift while you do track. And that added tra- that added training volume because you're like, I'll do both. And then you get hurt. You're going to get even more hurt. And you're gonna get even more tight. You're gonna overtrain. You're gonna have something worse. You're trying. You can't do that. You can't do two at one time. Thoughts? Yeah, uh, I did track. Obviously, I already said that. Called to get faster, and I told the track coach that they put me in the sixteen hundred. Did not get faster. Uh, the training was just run ninety minutes, two hours a day, just outside in the winter. It was terrible. Uh, and the meets were four or five hours. So you'd see people just sitting around all the time, not warming up. Comes time for their meet. They're like, oh, crap, I forgot I was coming up. They don't stretch. They go out. They pull something. They're, they're toasted. 
Uh, now I did finish second in a race once, uh, and I I may or may not have cut the uh, the laps re required by one when I finished second, but I still finished second. So you know, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Uh, also, I pulled my hamstring once pitching when I was like in seventh or eighth grade. Uh, didn't pull my hamstring after that though, so I, I got lucky. But I did go to a chiropractor and did the whole break up the scar tissue like get in there it was it was brutal it was that was that was, it was painful stuff it's not fun i can't believe you skipped a whole lap and snuck in like a bad you know tv show the the kid next to me who came in first was he's the reason why because he like saw me out of the corner of his eye even though he you know essentially it kind of almost laughed me and uh started like spurning like i was in second and i was like yeah you believe i believe we can all believe this he is where i'm supposed to he, be he helped you sell it that's great oh yeah i almost finished in first all right so i believe i've made a, a pretty compelling case on why track is a bad idea um I can do the same thing in house and fix all the other problems and get the end result and put you in a better position than if you go do track. Now, this is where I get to be super diplomatic and say track is great for some people. Now I'm going to talk about candidates for track for your second sport. Number one, if you're young, uh, if you're 14 years old or younger, you should play multiple sports. They will benefit the most from track. Part of the problem why people are so unathletic and slow is they are not running and sprinting as much because they don't do any relevant shit in gym class. And there are benefits, loading and coordination and fundamentals, especially if you could find somebody to just te teach basic stuff. Um, you're going to get the most bang for your buck if you're 14 and under. So if you are a kid, go do track. Please go do another sport. If you're lazy, uh, good news. If you're lazy, you will not make use of your time in-house, and you will have minimal benefits. Go do track because you can have somebody motivate you. They, they get paid four grand a year to go bark at you and fuel their ego, and they will make you go to late, and they'll punish you if you're late you can get free self-motivation. So if you're lazy, you should try track. If you don't want to play sports in college, some people don't have the desire to play competitively in college. You know what you should do? You should go do some track. If you're poor, I mean, we're all feeling the economy right now. Uh, it's not in good shape. I get it. So when I initially wrote that, I was like, if you're poor, you should do track. And then I was like, no, fuck that. That's not the answer because I'm training some poor motherfuckers right now and they're figuring the fuck out how to get in there and train and they're doing it the right way. So I'm not going to say if you're poor, maybe you should do track. But yeah, if you're poor and you don't know anybody and you can't get in there, then maybe you should do track because uh, you don't have the money to, to, you know, do other things. And if you are a troubled kid or you have a hard time, if you're a follower and not a leader, be part of a team. There's a whole social component of being on a track team that would be great for you. Um, but the big takeaway is 
If you're 14 years or younger, I encourage you to play as many sports as possible. If you're in high school and are doing the same thing that you're doing, you're losing a competitive advantage. If you are doing track as a sophomore, junior in high school, you are not preparing yourself you're to, there's other guys outworking you while you're out there losing strength, losing weight, increasing your risk of injury, getting a little bit faster, but it doesn't matter because you're sacrificing the weight that you're losing and the strength. And there are all of these things you're, we're, I'm laughing at you because you're what allows my kids to dominate you. Keep you playing all those sports in high school. My kids are training their seniors committed and they're training and they're who are, who are my freshmen, freshmen of the week, Rain Durant last week, Avani, um, freshmen that are walking in and starting, you know why? Because they didn't play multiple sports. They, they went into college game ready and that's all they did. Off season, get better at your sport, train and develop, rest and repeat. Um, so you track people are making my kids run. My kids are running faster because y'all doing it wrong. And uh, my kids are out there playing, playing minutes as freshmen in college because y'all are playing basketball or track for your, uh, your final ride through your, through high school. So that's my take on it. Yeah. Uh, I think the other big thing maybe we didn't touch on, I, I might have a follow-up question. I might've forgotten it as I opened my mouth to speak, but there was only one time I can actually remember in my entire football career after I played, you know, well, playing quarterback, um, where I could only walk after this, like one season, it was my junior season in high school. Uh, every other season, uh, I, I had trouble walking for an extended period of time, uh, due to football injuries in my sophomore year, I tried playing basketball and I hurt my ankle. I wound up, uh, doing something weird to my Achilles and I had to be in a walking boot for like two months and then shelved for like another two. So it's like you, you can really, your body takes a beating when just doing one sport and then usually track is in a weird spot where you're just coming right off of your sport or you're about to go into a sport. So it, it's really just a, a tough string to put on your body. When you do football, you leave football December 15th and you're right into indoor because what track is, isn't it? It's there's, if you have to play two sports, there's specific sports that are worse than others. And your longest sport is your worst sport. So something like basketball, they're, my football players are getting hounded while they're still playing football to go to basketball practice. So that you literally, I mean, it's not an analogy. You need to take a week or two weeks off after every sports season. Nobody will dismiss or deny this. Then with a slow reacclimation back, and these guys just jump one right into the other. And then that goes from November to March. Do the math. Football starts in August, and football ends in December. And basketball is going on in December, and basketball goes all the way up till April. So you are spending... August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, you're spending eight and a half months nonstop every day, six days a week, three hours a day compiled. And 
and now you're now you're spit out in April. And then you have April, May, June, July. Or and really once now you have two sports, you know, that means that's guaranteed you have to take two weeks off because you went for fucking eight months straight. So now you have to take two weeks off. So really April and then you gotta reacclimate the training because the best way to get hurt is to go from taking two weeks off and doing absolutely nothing because I can't control. I give them guidelines on what to do when they leave, but they should be active, but not doing anything, not touching the weight, not biking, CNS, STEM, hiking, biking, tennis, off sports, you know, golf, things like that. And then you're right into it. So now it's May. So here's the thing. Camp season starts June 1st. What do you do? Yeah, you just do, you, you, you have four. You, you just train for a month. Who's gonna do better? My my cats that have six months under their belt, or you that's got them that's got a month. You're in shape though. That's the good news from all that track. So you're ready to fucking play a game. Oh, you're not playing games. It's a track meet now. It's the real track meet, and you got to run a forty real fast. But you're, but you're hurt and you're tired and you're overtrained and you're going to be evaluated. One kid I didn't bring up, Chenna, the kicker, who had no film and had two D3 offers by never having any film and just got a Georgetown offer off of 40 because they were there when he ran the 453. That's how he got the Georgetown offer. But he wouldn't have ran a 453 if he was doing any sport in the spring. He would have ran a 47 at 160 mm. yeah yeah that's not gonna get you offered uh i did i went into football and basketball uh was not a great decision probably would not have done it again i was a weird kid basketball is my favorite sport uh so there's a, a huge personal connection there for me but even my last year i took two weeks off i said i wasn't gonna play kind of just couldn't leave it alone got back into it but weird things happen too sometimes you play that second sport and you like get out of shape you know you gain a little weight or you know you're just not able to do the stuff you're you're supposed to do uh you could also be an absolute weirdo and like i would do basketball practice and then i'd go do the the football you know lift and workout and stuff and then you know fall asleep on the car ride home like you get the little shaking in traffic get jolted back up you know you know, oh, you made it into your driveway. You know, you're, you're good for the night. But great. So, just some bullet points and some things to think about before you decide to go do track, because you're not getting bigger, faster, stronger. I mean, you are getting. You're not getting bigger or stronger, and only getting a little bit faster. But what are you? It's a whole bunch of risk for a little reward. I don't like high risk, little reward. I like safety. So safety's good. Safety's always safety number one. Yeah.